0: Alrighty, we come to the last chapter, chapter 14, of Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul David Tripp, instilling identity with Christ and providing accountability. Let's pray as we begin our last class in this introduction of biblical counseling. And now, our Lord, may we gird up the loins of our minds. We have learned a lot We pray that we would be able to use this material so that we are able to truly apply the gospel, bring the gospel to other people's lives, and also to our own. We pray in the name of the wonderful Counselor, Jesus. Amen. Okay, here's where we are in Paul David Tripp's book. We're in the last chapters of this. um, Love, Know, Speak, and Do. Uh, Last time we... Dealt with Establishing Your Personal Ministry Agenda and Clarifying Responsibility. That's chapter 13 of the book. And today we're going to deal with instilling identity in Christ and providing accountability. Okay, three texts, though, that I want to read uh, that will uh, give a framework for what we're dealing with today. Romans chapter 6 and verses 15 to 19. Uh, This was the text that we used today in our assurance of pardon or at least part of it, Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 19. Notice instilling identity, okay? What then are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God. Now notice identity here. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, here's identity, have become slaves of righteousness. And here, righteousness is not what we call forensic righteousness, Uh, justification, being declared righteous. It's basically doing the right thing, righteousness that God reveals in the scriptures. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, which is what it is to be unconverted, to be outside of Christ, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So for those in Christ, that is their responsibility. Then Philippians chapter 2, where Paul gives a beautiful distillation of what it is to be in Christ, our identity in him. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation or fellowship in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Now there's your identity. You're of one mind with the Lord himself and with his people. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here's your identity. Have this mind among yourselves in you. Have this mind corporately and individually God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is your identity. You're those who confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus to the glory of God the Father. And then 1 John chapter 3 and in verses 1 through 3, again on your identity, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. Here's our identity that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. That's our identity. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, That's the last day is return, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself, as he is pure. Now you see in each of these, we have an identity, and that identity works itself out in very practical expressions of obedience. Okay, as Paul Tripp puts it, according to the Bible, personal change is a community project. In fact, it is in the process of change that we really begin to see our need for one another. That's why you'll notice in all of these texts, while they're dealing with individuals, there's the we reference. We're all in this together, as we love to say. And of course, that's been impressed upon us by the two-year lockdown, a horrible thing, in which a dehumanizing thing. And which which people could not be together and parents were separated from the children and children were separated from schooling institution from their friends and there's all kinds of consequences of this horrible expression of social engineering um and we're reminded again we need community uh but but also the, the, the we're reminded that god's program folks of gracious transformation is not individualistic I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, plural, a living sacrifice. Let this mind be in you, and you corporately, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so, well, these things are true of us individually, uh, but again, as, as Paul David Tripp puts it so well, uh, we really see our need for one another in the process of change. Okay, so, so what are we doing in this class? It's the second of the do Things instill identity in Christ and provide accountability. Um, Objective three, as he puts it, is instilling identity in Christ. Christians need to know who and what they are. Uh, This is quoting Paul David Tripp The gospel motivates us not only with the presence of Christ and the surety of his promises, but also with our brand new identity. We learn that we're not only forgiven, but have in fact been adopted into the family of God. We are children of the King of Kings. The God of the universe is our Father. Christians are in Christ. Now, just stop for a moment. When I was in seminary back in the 1970s, there was a movement led by a man named Jack Miller, who was pastor of New Life, then-Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and and it was a big emphasis on sonship. It actually became a whole program. And, and it was transforming for so many people. They knew that they were forgiven in Christ. They knew that that was what the gospel was, but they didn't get beyond that. And when they realized we're adopted as children, we're given the spirit of of God by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And along with justification, being declared righteous, in the courtroom, being declared not guilty, God takes us into his living room and he makes us to be his children. And again, that was transformative people and that gives identity. So again, quoting Paul Tripp, page 260 in the book, we always live out of some kind of identity, and the identities we assign ourselves powerfully influence our responses to life. As people pursue the process of lifelong change, they need to live out of a gospel identity. They, like us, need to be reminded of who they are again and again. Now, otherwise, what will people do? they will identify themselves by their problem. I'm divorced. I'm addicted. I'm depressed. I have PTSD. I have bipolar disorder. I have borderline personality disorder. And they're identified by their problem rather than as a child of God in Christ who struggles with, and you can fill in the blanks. The former that is being identified by your problem Invites all kinds of discouragement, but the other stimulates hope when you realize I'm a child of god and 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 in Christ, I've got a Father who takes me into his house. And Yes, he disciplines me, he's making me his, his disciple, but he encourages me, he, he feeds me, he protects me, he strengthens me. all of those things are are part of our identity the old line when queen elizabeth the second had said to her children when they went to a party remember uh, royal royal children are to have royal manners and that's really what we're talking about okay our identity in christ we have royal manners as the children of god that also uh, that fact that when you identify yourself by your problem that points out the insufficiency of mere therapy You go to the therapist as someone who's depressed or as someone with PTSD or whatever it's going to be, and the therapist will listen to you. The therapist might help you move the damaged furniture a bit and sweep up the dust that's in there, but they can't fix the furniture, and and they can't get rid of the dust because only the gospel, only God can do that. And and so anyway, that, that's what we're dealing with. Identify people not with their problem, but they're a child of God who struggles with and fill in the blank, and there's biblical counseling. We all struggle with different things. And is you instill identity in Christ and you help Christians know who they are and what they are, study and then make use of a text that you will you will find very, very useful and very common in your counseling work and and that is 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 through 9 uh, especially because Peter is writing to Christians who are dispersed abroad uh they're they're living in the gentile world and he gives those things that we need as those who are living in, in that kind of world as well. And so he says, uh, his divine Second Peter one and verse three. After saying, "May may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord," he says, "His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness." through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, that's all that we have as children of god by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature that is by the holy spirit having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire that's our standing we've been delivered from that in christ for this reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection and love. For If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whoever lacks these qualities is so near-sighted that he is blind, having forgotten he was cleansed from his former sins. And therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. That's your standing, your called to Christ, and you are elected Christ. Be diligent to make that sure, for if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided to you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You will go back to that text over and over again. And those things adding to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, brotherly kindness, these aren't steps of a ladder. These are, these are spokes in a wheel. The, 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 the center of the hub of the wheel is Christ. And all of these things flow from him. And we're wanting those specific aspects of the character of Christ, the life of Christ, to become ours. So study and make use of 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. The Christian life, again, I I believe this is from Tripp. I don't know if this is Tripp or Shishko, but either way, it's true. The Christian life is not defined by its problems, but by the amazingly rich resources we have in Christ, what Peter calls everything we need for life and godliness. Christians are truly rich. We are like spiritually homeless people if we do not draw freely on these rich resources. Now, now quoting Paul Tripp again The biblical model of waiting is not simply about what you'll get at the end of your wait, heaven, but about who you will become as you wait. God has promised you real abundant life in the here and now. We have a father, we have a home, we're rich, we struggle a great deal, but we can expect much as well. That's page 264. And then continuing on to page 265, writing, quoting Tripp again, we need to be progressively freed from our slavery to the, it's a great phrase, the God replacements or idols, that imprison us in self-absorbed pursuit of our own glory. Peter is saying that the most significant thing God saves us from is ourselves. Whoa, what a statement. Because of God's abundant grace, we no longer have to live enslaved to ourselves but for him who died for us and was raised again quoting 2nd corinthians 5 and verse 15 and of course that's the that's the big burden of philippians chapter 2 as well we have the mind in us that's the mind of christ we're delivered from ourselves to be the humble servants of others that's really how you're delivered from slavery isn't that interesting You're delivered from slavery by being a servant of the one who liberates us. Anyway, another quotation from Tripp. Think of the changes that would take place if humble, unified, loving service replaced proud, self-interested, demanding disunity. People do not have to live as they are living. They have already been given something better in Christ. Now, I'll just take a moment and, and, and open that up a little bit. Think of the changes that would take place if humble, unified, loving service replaced proud, self interested, demanding disunity. This is part of the method to our madness here at The Haven. We have had, since our very beginning, Well, the means of grace, as we read in Acts chapter 2, the Apostles' Doctrine, the opening up of the Word of God as it focuses on Christ, uh, the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, the fellowship, and the prayers. And even during the lockdown, when in the situation we were in, we were asked not to have our meals. We said, no, we're going to have our fellowship meals together. We'll take safeguards so that we don't infect one another. Um, but, But no, fellowship's a means of grace. And in that, we have had what we call Haven Food and Fellowship, where you are asked to cook once in a while, not a lot, once every couple months or so, and to bring food for everybody. Why is that? It's because we want you to know that humble, unified, loving service is a way of displacing proud, self-interested, demanding disunity. You are serving others. And, and, And how does your service unfold some of the riches you have in christ you're learning that it is better to give than it is to receive you are reminded each week these are my brothers and my sisters and when you are cooking for them providing for them you are providing for your family members when you minister to them, according to what Jesus says, you're actually ministering to him. I was hungry and you gave me to eat. You're actually serving the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you say no to that? So, so, so th- that's what we mean uh, by, in, in this kind of service, uh, learning more and more about uh, the vast riches that we have in Christ. Well, let, let's go on to objective four. And that's providing accountability. Uh, And as as Tripp points out, this is not negative, but positive and loving because accountability is a way of bearing one another's burdens. Galatians 6.16, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And also encouraging one another daily. Hebrews 3 and verse 13, keep encouraging one another daily lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Quoting Tripp now accountability requires a willingness to roll up our shirt sleeves and one of the ways you roll up your shirt sleeves is you make and take time to help out others and get alongside people that's the basic idea of the holy spirit as a comforter as a paraclete he comes alongside of us accountability requires a willingness to roll up our shirt sleeves and get alongside people as they fight the war between sin and righteousness. That's in Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, page 268. And that's it. We're dealing with fellow soldiers. You you deal with other Christians, they're on a battlefield. And there's a lot of ways you get wounded on a battlefield. There's a lot of ways you bleed on a battlefield. There's a lot of ways to die on a battlefield. And you, in biblical counseling, you're you're coming alongside of those as a medic, representing the great physician Jesus in order to help them. Now, here is a wow statement from Tripp, from page 268. Like all personal ministry, accountability is incarnational. In other words, it takes flesh. By standing alongside people, we incarnate the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is the Paraclete, the one who comes alongside of us. The Holy Spirit who's not only with them, but in them. We preach the gospel of an ever present Redeemer who doesn't just command, but who enables. He doesn't just convict, he forgives and restores. Biblical accountability is not fearful, abusive, or intrusive. It is loving, sacrificial, ambassadorial, incarnational, and holy. How can we serve Emmanuel, God with us, and do anything less? Listen again. To come alongside of people and truly minister to them, we're talking about doing now. It is loving, sacrificial, ambassadorial, incarnational, holy service. Now, when you're dealing with accountability, which is part of this service, what does accountability provide? Well, number one, for people, it provides structure. You have people, and they don't know about structure in their lives. They're kind of freewheeling, and no wonder they get in trouble. And part of your work is to give them structure. You say, I want you to do these things during this time. Over the next week until we get together, next Wednesday, I want you to be reading your Bible and let's read John and uh, try to read at least a chapter a day, take some notes on it. And then um, you might give something else you want them to read. But but I want you to, over the next week, do these things. You're giving some structure, and that helps give people a sense of order and direction. Don't overdo, because I've got other things to do. But but give them some things that put a godly structure into into their lives. Accountability provides guidance. Provide practical wisdom regarding the where, the when, and the how of biblical change. People, People ask you, well, how do I do this? How do I put off the sin of looking at pornographic images when I ought not? And that's a challenging issue, but you talk about accountability in various ways, whether it be something on the computer that can block things, although you can usually get through these in one way or another, having the computer off at certain times, not doing things, not perhaps having a glass or two of wine before you watch the do the computer, but provide practical wisdom. How do I act? <coughs> excuse me in the fear of God. In a given situation regarding the where the when and the how of biblical change a big one is encouraging people to to replace their loneliness by saying that like this because in loneliness a lot of bad things can come say yeah why don't you on a thursday night wednesday night you're going to be part of the prayer meeting that we have at the church on thursday night why don't you plan to get together with another person that you know you can pay for the meal doesn't have to be that expensive <clears throat> Excuse me, and then you you uh, talk to them about the fellowship that comes. They'll come back and they'll say it was wonderful. I was just had a bad day, but I was just so refreshed by that time of fellowship. There's an example of the kind of guidance that you can give, encouragement, and this is uh, this is the third element of what accountability provides. This encouragement is arguably the primary meaning of the Holy Spirit as a Paraclete. Um, paraclete means among other things an encourager of troops in battle and you are his instrument to encourage troops in battle to say by the grace of god you will get through this you wonder where your strength will come from god says as your days are so your strength shall be and we're going to pray for that that you say so often how weak you feel second corinthians chapter four god makes his own strength. It's 10. God makes his own strength perfect in our weakness. But encouragement, folks, is such a huge part of biblical counseling. And then warning, people can resist when they realize the cost and work involved in change. I don't want to do this. I don't like the very idea of doing this. I don't like the way my heart is being searched. Part of biblical counseling is to remind people that what we reap, we will sow, Galatians 6 and verse 7. To remind them the way of the transgressor is truly hard, and you have to say that. It's called misery evangelism. So you can continue in this course. I promise you things will get worse unless you repent and turn to Christ. And you say it lovingly, but you've got to say it truly. So accountability provides structure, guidance, encouragement, and warning. And ask yourself three questions as you seek to provide such accountability. It's interesting. These are the kinds of things that we've, our officers have had to do in working on in our parole packet, our, our, our parole plan for our Haven inmate Darren Emanuel. These kinds of things. One, what kinds of ongoing help? will this person need? In that case, is Darren, but we're talking about somebody you're counseling. You get done and say, what kind of ongoing help does this person need? Two, how often am I going to need to be in contact with him or her for change to continue? In some cases, you may need to call them at first every day, uh, but you'll, you'll learn how to do this a couple times a week or at least once a week or, or whatever it's going to be, but how often do I need to be in contact with him or her for change to continue and then number three are there other resources remember this is a community project are there other resources in the body of christ that would be helpful to the person during this period and how can i connect this person to these resources Uh, for example let's say a person's had a miscarriage and is going through the the grief and the sorrow of that and you know of 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 another christian that's had a miscarriage and 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 she's given permission to let that be made known to others and she's open to help work with them there 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 would be a good example of connecting people with other resources um and and again just we speak about these things individually but but when you know again second corinthians 1 3 through 5 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus the father of all mercies who comforts us in all of our affliction that we might be able to comfort others in any affliction with the very same comfort with which we are comforted of god Uh, a woman has struggled with postpartum depression and she's had to wrestle with those issues and you're a man and you don't know what those things are but you can take a woman who's dealing with those things and say here's a gospel saturated christian woman she's been through it and she can draw from the well of her own experience and be of help to you and pray with you and so on that that's the kind of thing that's what we mean by this being a community project okay so let's wrap all of this up as we've wow how many weeks have we been covering biblical counseling 101 so how do i begin well we're coming to the summer for your summer reading do read paul tripp's book instruments in the redeemer's hands and go over the notes in most cases you've gotten handouts uh but but go over those things because really this is the work of a lifetime we're learning in all of these things how we can better minister to others and then pray every day for somebody to minister to and be specific. Uh, it could be a child, could be a grandchild, uh, could be a parent, could be an aunt, could be an uncle, could be a neighbor, could be a co-worker, could be, I don't know, but but pray every day and be specific. Lord, I am concerned for the salvation of, fill in the blank. I'm concerned because I know that Mr. So-and-so is going through trial. I want to be of help and, and be specific in, in praying for others. And then apply the last part of the book. And, and what is that? Love people. Love your, give yourself for the good of your troubled friends and neighbors, for your children and grandchildren, and for those whom God surprises you with. I, this is so neat. You, you pray that the Lord might give you the opportunity to minister to people, and it is fascinating how god will give you a store clerk or somebody that you just meet on the street when you're walking your dog or someone you meet in the grocery aisle I don't know but but where but god god surprises you with divine encounters every person you meet is a divine encounter And when you think about that, think of of how many of of those that can really be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Okay, so that's love, giving yourself for the good of another's. No, take and make time to listen to people. And then identify, remember heart issues, identify what are their fears? What are their desires? What are their loves? What are their hates? What are their hopes? And even their hates, that they give you a window on the heart uh, remember, really, that every evil passion is a good passion that's misused, and and so learn to, to to figure out things in the hearts of people, and that of course comes when you take and make time to listen. When people are angry, what what makes them angry, and and if they're happy, what is it that makes them happy, and then of course you got to show them that that's going to change if it's a creature comfort anyway. Identify those things. And then think Christianly, what are their idols? And how do Jesus and the gospel, how can they displace them? Uh, People believe uh, that everything's just simply going to turn out all right. Well, that's a little bit like jumping off a mountain and just hoping you're not going to splat. That's not kind of a dumb way to live. Talk to them about Jesus and the resurrection and what that means. Um, people people, have as an idol their own self-righteousness. And you show them in your discussion that the self-righteousness of a person who is a sinner cannot really help them so you get the idea okay think christianly about their idols and how jesus and the gospel can displace them and then pray pray for the person pray 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 and then pray some more speak this is again the third or the fourth thing that ball trip speaks of draw from your own experience of christ and the gospel and the transforming work of the spirit in you second corinthians chapter one and verses three through five draw from the wells of what God has given you, and do this as a servant to the person. Not to draw attention to yourself, but how as a servant to the person, you can take what God has given to you and as a servant, minister to them. And then uh, under speaking, graciously relate these things to their lives, widows and widowers, the sick and the afflicted, the guilt and the shame written, the clueless. It's interesting how, how people will ask about friends of theirs who are clueless. They're just existing, and, and that's, that's the case. I mean, technically, if you really want to be technical, those outside of Christ are not alive. They're existing, But the biblical concept of life is far more than existing. I've come that they might have life, that they might have communion with God, and that that they might have everlasting life and have it more abundantly. So when you deal with the cluelessness, graciously relate the things of the gospel to to their lives. Of course, you do that, as we learned in the sermon today, the great macro story, the great story of Jesus, and, and letting the clueless know, hey, whether you like it or not, you're part of this grand story of creation, fall and redemption and uh, and the end of all things where god will bring about new heavens and new earth and then be praying and praying and praying for people and then do this is the last two lessons love know speak do Ask the person, okay, where do we go from here? You mean I put it quite like that, but but you're saying to yourself, where do we go from here? What what's the next meeting? When would be good to get together again? What do we talk about? Talk with them about their responsibility and God's sovereignty. Say, no, 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 don't leave people just talking with them. These are okay, these are the things you need to be working on before we get together again. These are your responsibility, and we're going to look to God to do in his sovereignty what he promises to do. Um tell people the gospel. They're in Christ, talk with them about their identity in Christ. If they're not, you call them to repentance and faith, to union with Christ by grace through faith. And then accountability. I'm sticking with you. That's basically what you're saying. I'm with you through this. And that, as we wrap all of this up, um, more and more you're reading about the power of the one. You're reading that uh, the group rarely brings about a lot of change you see this in 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 mega churches people come they go to a concert they hear a devotional message they go home there's no connection with anybody and rarely does that really bring much change at all but the power of one person who invests in one other person quite frankly as jesus did Uh, dr j Gresham machin whom the lord used to found the orthodox presbyterian church um, was, it was, a, was an alcoholic, a I man that was an alcoholic that he knew, and, and Dr. Machen did everything he could to try to be of help to this man. He didn't advertise it, but people who knew Dr. Machen knew about it. And, and one of the things that he said was something like this. If If each Christian just took on one other person to minister to, that would change the world. Wow, that's exactly it, brothers and sisters. That's what biblical counseling at the end of the day is all about. Taking Christ and all of the resources of the gospel as revealed from Genesis to Revelation and the book that tells us the big story and talking with people who are clueless and who are experiencing the effects of the tragedy of the fall and who need to learn about uh, the great work of redemption Jesus is doing in the denouement of, of, of his work in the world. And you don't have to do it with a lot of people. Just get one, pray for one, and get your one, and work with your one. And if you see just that one person become a Christian and a faithful follower of Christ, and all Christians do that, I think the revival that we've been praying for will come to pass. Let's pray. Our Lord, we are so grateful for um, the fact that the scriptures tell us that we are able to counsel one another. J. Adams' book that really kind of kicked off the biblical counseling movement, if you will, Competent counsel. And no, Lord, we can't deal with a lot of the technical things that come when it, when it comes to drug overuse or sexually transmitted diseases or uh, mental effects that come in, in various ways. We do need other professionals to help with those things. But when it comes to the tragedies of life, sin, the fall, backsliding, patterns of, of ill discipline, unbelief, making idols, these things that flow from the heart, Lord, we really are able to deal with them. And to the extent that we need to grow in our understanding of how to do it, then Lord, grant us that grace and that growth. But Lord, where we can take even these basic things that we've learned, and as we in the future, as you will, will build on these things, but Lord, as we take the things we've learned from Paul Tripp's book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, we pray that you'd give us at least one person that we can minister to and what we call discipling, to see him or her by grace formed as a disciple of the Lord Jesus turned from being a self-centered sinner to being a God-centered saint. God grant that to us in the weeks to come for our entire lives that we would be useful servants of the great change agent, Jesus Christ, in whom we pray. Amen.